topic. Will you take your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament book of Galatians? It is the daily Bible reading for this week. I think we're in chapter 2 today, and we'll be reading the rest of it. But I somehow wanted to include mothers in this, so I want this to be a challenge not only for all of us today, but I hope it's a challenge for mothers because I think deep down in the heart of most mothers, they will say, that's been my goal all along. That's been my goal all along. And, um, but we need to appreciate the work that mothers do. So kind of to get you thinking about mothers and the enormous task they have, Listen to this. A man observed a mother in the grocery store with a three-year-old girl in her cart. As they passed the cookie section, the child asked for cookies, and her mother told her no. The little girl immediately began to whine and fuss, and the mother said quietly, Now, Ellen, we just have half of the aisles left to go through. Don't be upset. It won't be long. The man passed the mother again in the candy aisle. Of course, the little girl began to shout for candy. And when she was told she couldn't have any, she began to cry. And the mother said, there, there, Ellen, don't cry. Only two more aisles to go, and then we'll be checking out. The man again happened to be behind the pair at the checkout, where the little girl began to clamor for gum and burst into a terrible tantrum. Upon discovering there would be no gum purchased today, the mother patiently said, Ellen, we'll be through the checkout stand in five minutes, and then you can go home and maybe have a nice nap. The man was really impressed. He went out into the, followed them out into the parking lot, and then gave this compliment to this mother. I couldn't help noticing how patient you were with little Ellen. The mother looked at him with bewilderment. I'm Ellen. (laughs) My little girl's name is Tammy. I don't know about you, but I, I don't think I need to comment, but that helps me to appreciate the work of motherhood. Now, this passage of Scripture in Galatians... Let's look at Galatians. We're going to actually look at two passages, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, and we're just going to read it and get a couple of observations. And then we're going to jump to chapter 5, verses 6 through 6, chapter 1, because it's a great application. But I want you to read this with me. I want you to see just exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, Paul has to make it crystal clear in this book, that he is not apostle because somebody determined that he should be, or a group of people voted that he should be among the ranks of an apostle. He personally is an apostle, but because he personally met Christ himself. Remember, it started on the road to Damascus. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for, now listen to this verse because this is it, 
who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is what I think is the secret goal of most mothers. Most mothers understand that when we have children, we want them to grow up to know the Lord. And we definitely want them to be delivered from this present evil age. I know that was my mother's goal. And many mothers that I've talked to, their deepest concern is that their children would grow up to know the Lord and be delivered from this present evil age. Now, the best sermon outline I have ever seen in my life, and I've actually preached it a couple of times. I should probably preach it once a year or more frequently, but the best sermon outline I've ever heard is that Jesus frees us from the penalty of sin, number one, the power of sin, number two, and the presence of sin, number three. That's the ministry of any pastor in a nutshell. That we deal with the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. And those who are with the Lord right now have the wonderful privilege of being delivered from the presence of sin. Galatians doesn't specifically deal with that, but Galatians does deal with the penalty of sin and the power of sin. So let's look at the next few verses, gather a couple of observations, and then move on to Galatians chapter 5 for a great application of this. Paul says in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. This is the first danger right here. Which is not another gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one great news, good news. But we, for some reason, want to make other gospels. We want to change our focus. And too often, religions want to change the truth of God's word and focus on other things, like the social gospel. Now, social issues are important. But i got to tell you, it is tragic what's happening in the church today when we set aside the gospel of Christ in His death and His burial and His resurrection and we focus on dealing with just injustice and social issues. Not that they're not important. Not that God doesn't want to deal with it. But you can give someone food for his body and his soul will be damned. You remember the Mexican baker who every day he would get up and he would bake his bread and he would put it into a basket. And then he would put a towel over his bread and he would take his Bible and he would put it on top and he would go through the streets of his village and he would cry out and say, I've got bread for sale and I've got bread for free. 
Life's important, and we need to take care of the needs. But listen, we need to make sure that we're taking care of the eternal needs of the soul. Amen? But the Apostle Paul, when he deals with this other gospel, is talking about something a little different than that particular change. But I want you to see how adamant that the Apostle Paul is. He says, there is no other gospel in verse 7, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ, who want to change it. But notice how adamant he is. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Listen, it is so important that we understand this, that the gospel has to be the focus of our lives. It has to be the focus of our parenting. It has to be the focus of what we do when we want to deliver our children from this present evil age. That he says it again in verse 9, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And my concern here is not to please men. My concern is to please God. My concern is not to wrestle with God on this issue, to get my way. My concern is to persuade men to believe what God says. Well, what's the application to that? Well, the application to that, as far as a challenge is concerned, is that the gospel must govern everything we do as moms, as parents. It must govern everything that we do. It is going to determine how much grace there is in the home because God's love is expressed by His grace. It's going to determine how much forgiveness we extend. It's going to determine whether we expect our kids to perform in order for them to feel loved and belong, or whether we love them regardless of what they do. It's going to determine where we have them learning and growing up in a church where the gospel is being shared and preached. Now, the interesting thing is the children will not be delivered from this present evil age if the gospel is changed or if we forget about the truth of the gospel and we focus on other issues. Paul is adamant about that. In the two letters right before this, he says to the letter of people of 1 Corinthians, he says, listen, guys, I want you to know that the crucifixion of Christ, Christ is the most important focus of my ministry. And he says, for I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because if you want to deliver your children, if you want your children delivered from this present evil age, they need to come to Christ. They need to come to Christ, and they need to know what it is. They need to know that the penalty of sin is re they're released from it. Second point, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 61. But in order to get there, I just want to make a comment or two. Go ahead and put your thumb in that passage of Scripture. It's interesting, 
and I'm hopefully, hopefully this will happen to you when you read Galatians this week, you're going to come across 16 references to the Holy Spirit in this, these few chapters. 16 references. And it's important for you and I to trace the reference of the Holy Spirit. And when we trace the references to the Holy Spirit, we end up at Galatians chapter 5, verses 6 through 6, 1, where there's a concentration of references to the Holy Spirit. Because if you want to be delivered, if you want people, your children to be delivered from this present evil age, they need the power of God working in their lives. Can't do it on their own strength. Now, let me just give you a couple of facts about the Holy Spirit. You don't need to look at these references, but in chapter 3, in a couple of verses there, the Bible says we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. We do not receive it by the works of the law. We can spend some time on that, but we'll let that go at this point. In chapter 3, in a couple of verses there, we learn that it's foolish to think that we can start the Christian life in the Spirit, but we can become mature believers through our performance-based relationship with God where we earn His favor by obeying the law. He's talking about all those things. I mean, we had five books of law in the Old Testament. And he says, if you and I gravitate to wanting God's favor by trying to obey everything that God had mentioned in the Old Testament, you're going down the wrong road. It's not going to happen. Charles uh, Chambers, I believe it was, a pastor in Scotland said one time, I used to get in the pulpit and every time I'd get in the pulpit, I would just preach and preach and preach the law and I would tell people how obedient they need to be to it and if they're not obedient to it, then God doesn't like them. That's the kind of thing he said he did. He says, I emptied my pews. And I started preaching grace. Does God want us to obey the Ten Commandments, for instance? Absolutely, of course he does. But he wants us to do it out of a heart of love, not a heart of obligation. The next observation, the Holy Spirit has been sent into our hearts. You know that. I'm not giving any theology of the Holy Spirit this morning, but you know the Holy Spirit is the one that God promised that He was going to send into our hearts to live there, to dwell there, to empower us. And then five, finally, in chapter 5, verse 5, the Spirit motivates us to eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now, we're going to jump into verse 16 in just a moment, but I want you to see verse 5. We probably ought to look at that just for a second. In chapter 5, verse 5, let's look at this. And I want you, no, chapter 5, verse, uh, it's not verse 5. Uh, it's verse, uh, what verse, uh, verse 3. Yeah, it's, it's, it's verse 5. I'm sorry. I don't have my glasses on. Why didn't somebody tell me? <laughs> okay. Now I can see it better. Everybody together. Let's look at this together. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. 
Now, if you and I have been free from the penalty of sin because God has forgiven us of our sin through what Christ has done for us, that's great. And now we can live a life because the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. We can live a life where we are going to be victorious over temptation and sin. This is the closest that Paul gets to the third point, being free from the presence of this evil age. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And if you're taking notes or you writing your Bible, I would write next to chapter 5, I would write, unless your center column references give you that scripture there, but I would write Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 24. I, I would write that passage of Scripture next to that. Now, I'm not asking you to go back to Romans chapter 8. If you're really quick and you want to get there, uh, Romans chapter 8, I just want to remind you of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He talks about the creation of, the, of, 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 all, the, all of the creation of God. He talks about us. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit. But I want to remind you that in verse 20 of chapter 8, the creation was subjected to futility when God cursed the earth. But it was subjected to futility with a hope. Um, Jackie will remember that at the funeral... I like to, I'd like to talk about the fact that God had plan A, but never changed it. Plan A was He created the world. He intends for us to live here. It was good. We ruined it with sin. But God hasn't abandoned plan A. God's ultimate goal is for Jesus to return, and He's going to redo this earth, renovate it, and He's going to deliver us from this present evil age, right? And that's the hope. And God says creation is looking forward to that. It's a personification of creation. But then in verse 23, it says not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan, eagerly waiting for the redemption of our body. Adoption, which means we finally get what God has planned for us. A world where we're free from the penalty of sin, a world where we're free from the power of sin, and a world where we're free from the presence of sin. Won't that be great? That's incredible. It's amazing. But notice what he says in verse 25. We hope. We have hope in that. We hope for what we do not see. We eagerly look at every, if, you, if you're there, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And then he brings the Holy Spirit in there. And I'm, I'm just going to read it because the Holy Spirit is so important in the book of Galatians for us to be free from the, pen, from the power of sin. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Wow. It's nice to know that the Holy Spirit is in our corner. 
and that he is empowering us. And we as parents and we as mothers, as mothers want to, if you want your children to be delivered from this present evil age, you, they must be delivered from the power of sin. Now here's the frustration in verse 16. We're going to go through this now. I say then, walk in the Spirit. That's the application. We want our kids to walk in the Spirit. If they walk in the Spirit, they'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. They'll not live as defeated people, defeated children, constantly saying, I'm, I'm unable to do what God wants me to do. I try to do the right thing, and I can't do the right thing. I fail so much of the time. Are we going to fail? Of course we're going to fail. And God acknowledges that for in verse 17, notice what he says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. How many times have you said, oh my goodness, I wish I, wish I could have handled that differently. I wish I wouldn't have given in to that temptation. That's the reality of life. See why we need to be delivered from this present evil age? Because it's constantly badgering us. It's constantly bombarding us. And then he says in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then the application goes pretty deep. In verse 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, I even hate to read this anymore. I, you know, the, the sins are just, the, the works of the flesh, this is, a, this is an awful list. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That's the works of the flesh. And we as parents want our kids to be delivered from that. Right? And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to do it. Paul's pretty clear in verse 21. He says, I've told you in, the, in past times that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not be delivered from this present evil age. But you'll actually be a part of it. Not only will you be tempted by it, but you'll succumb to it. But look at verse 22, and this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Everybody together, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, they are, they, are, they are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit protecting them from succumbing to the lust of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And then the last verse is chapter 6, verse 1. And I want to make it kind of an, as an application for mothers and fathers and all of us. Because only after he gives to us verses 16 through 26 does he say, okay, now, now go out and see how it works in your relationships. 
So parents, see how it works with your kids. Neighbors, see how it works with your neighbors. Uh, colleagues at work, see how it works with your colleagues at work. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass or sin, you who are spiritual, you who have the fruit of the Spirit, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted and succumb. Ellen, at the beginning, uh, one of the reasons why I read that is because Ellen at the beginning is mom, and mom seems to be very concerned about her own behavior so that she can properly address the behavior of her child. If we want our kids to walk in the Spirit, we have to model that behavior, don't we? We have to model that behavior. That's pretty clear when you look at chapter 6, verse 7, where the Bible says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. You know what I'm saying? But we want to model that behavior. And so it's, it's extremely important for us to recognize that we can see, we can see the wonderful change that happens in our kids as they grow up to love the Lord, and as they see the power of the Holy Spirit changing their lives, we can see all of that. But in order to see all of that in our kids, we have to model that as parents, don't we? We do, don't we? I think I'm on the right track with that, aren't I? If I'm not, uh, talk to me afterwards and we'll <laughs> see what I can do to get it right. But then there's a final thought here that I want to give to you in all of this because it certainly undergirds the whole book of Galatians. And that is that if we really have a heart to see this goal accomplished in the lives of our kids, that they be delivered from this present evil age, we're going to put a lot of time in prayer, right? We're going to put a lot of time in prayer. Now, I think I've shared this in, in Bible study maybe a couple of times, not too long ago, but I don't know that I've done it here. But there was a fierce battle going on over in Korea. And um, the guys are in the foxhole, and this guy's buddy was out on the ground in danger, wounded. And every time there'd be flashes of light from bombs or gunfire, his buddy in the foxhole would put his hand up in the air and look at his watch. Till finally, after a while, he crawled out quickly to rescue his buddy under fire and got him safely back to the foxhole. Why did you do that such a dangerous condition it wasn't safe for you to go out there and why did you keep looking at your watch before you did and he said this because my mother in America promised to pray for me at this particular time every day so I knew it was the safest time to go. 
I, I think you're going to be encouraged by Galatians and moms. I, I'll tell you what, um, it's, we, want, we want you to know that we're behind you and uh, we're supporting you and, uh, and uh, we're trying as uh, the best we can to see a generation of kids to grow up to know the Lord and to receive victory over the power of sin. It's so powerful in our younger generation today. And, uh, and we'll all enjoy what? Freedom from the presence of sin when it's all said and done, right? And I know you want all your kids to be forever with you. I know that. And so, as we close today, let's pray that we would realize, we see the reality of this in our families, okay? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you free us from the penalty of sin. We thank you, Lord, that you are able to deliver us from this present evil age by the power of your Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that one day we'll live on this earth when your son returns with freedom from the presence of sin. Lord, may it be a reality for us and our families. May it be an encouragement to parents who have a goal to make sure that the focus of our lives is the gospel. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.